Welcome back to the Holistic Healing with Laurie podcast. And I love doing these interviews with people who are in the field of holistic healing and who have had their own experiences with these chronic illnesses. And today we get to talk to Ben Ahrens. Did I pronounce that right, Ben? Yes, you did. You got it. So Ben's journey started when he was bedridden with chronic neurological Lyme disease. And I want to make sure that we talk about neurological Lyme and how that differs from some other maybe subsets of Lyme. And he discovered the power of neuroplasticity. And since then, he's been on a mission to empower others to heal themselves. So welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, Lori, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I always love to get the origin story, right? In comic books, we get the origin story of our superheroes, and I feel like we're all superheroes for sure. So what is your origin story? Yeah, so my story begins pretty early in life when I was just fascinated with generally how things work. I always love to take things apart, put them back together, see what's going on there. And that passion translated into passion for the human body and how that works. And so I studied biomechanics in college, went on to do personal training and physical therapy, and was just fascinated by how we could make changes to our physical body, to the way it feels and functions, how we could heal and recover from injuries. And I was uh, working at the time in my early 20s as a physical therapist assistant, helping people recover from things like strokes, regaining the, the lost use of limbs, just regaining different movement patterns that they might have lost. And then in my mid-20s, I encountered a challenge myself that I couldn't really solve with only the mechanical way of thinking. And that was, as you mentioned, a case of what turned out to be neurologic Lyme disease. But as these stories often go, it took me several years to to come to that uh, diagnosis. Yeah. So go ahead and let us know what is the difference between neurological Lyme versus maybe some other subsets of Lyme. Yeah, I think Dr. Thomas Rao said it really well. He's a practitioner of biological medicine in uh, Switzerland. And he explained that uh, in one seminar he gave in Massachusetts, that roughly 40%, I've heard this estimate go even higher to to 90%, but he said roughly 40% of people, if you pull them off the street and test them uh, in certain parts of the Northeast, they would test positive for Borrelia, which is the Lyme causing bacteria. But less than 2% would be symptomatic and what he would call has Lyme disease. So the distinction there is that a lot of people are exposed to certain pathogens, in this case, bacterial infection. And we know the same is true for anything like a flu or a cold. Cold virus can breeze through a room of 10 people. And statistically speaking, about three of them would get sick and seven would probably remain unfazed. And then maybe within those three, you'd have one who really gets sick and is maybe even has to spend a week or two in bed or something. And so there's a huge amount of variance in not just what people are exposed to, but how people's immune systems respond to these exposures. And so that became a point of fascination for me and and a question of what was it about my immune system that responded in this way? And that led me down the road of studying the brain and what 
modulates the immune system and how we can start to shift that through self-directed exercises. But just circling back around to your question, Lyme, like a cold or like a, a flu, is a huge spectrum. And so the vast majority of people that get it don't know they ever got it, usually have those symptoms fade in anywhere from a week to a month. Those symptoms can include things like joint pain, a little bit of brain fog, fatigue, But then there's a a subset of people who seem to get really sick from it, like I did. At this point, when we talk about neurologic Lyme, basically what we mean is that the Lyme has impacted the nervous system, has changed the nervous system in some critical way, and basically changed the way that the immune system is functioning, such that our body stays in a perpetual state of inflammation, cytokine activity, high alert, and all of these symptoms can just crop up. And the really challenging thing about something like Lyme, which really is a syndrome, and we're seeing this more and more with things like long COVID, right? These are referred to as post-infectious syndromes. One of the things that's so challenging to understand, for doctors to understand and to address about these is that they affect people so differently. There's not a really clear identifiable pattern when it comes to to symptoms. There's what they call symptom clusters that vary very much from person to person. For some people, they could maintain a really clear head, but just be extremely tired. For other people, they might not have fatigue, but they might have more of a, a brain fog, trouble thinking, or joint pain, or migrating pains, and digestive issues. Or they might wind up with sensitivities to foods and things, or light and sound that they were never sensitive to before. So it affects each person so differently. And the research is very new as to why that is and what's going on. Fascination between trying to figure out what was working and realizing, okay, there's way more than what meets the eye here. This is not just an infection, a cause and an effect happening. There's some whole black box of a middle ground that's making my body and and brain respond the way that they do. And that led me to the nervous system and studying the brain and ultimately finding my way to through Western medicine, through Eastern medicine, through European medicine, and finally to neurological practices that someone can do to help their body to self-regulate and self-heal. Beautiful, beautiful. So what did your life look like when you were in the throes of Lyme? Yeah, right leading up to it, my early 20s, I, I was extremely healthy, common story for many people. I was an athlete going really hard and everything. You I was traveling surfing, the world. Right? Yeah, traveling the world and, and surfing. And yeah. I had a budding career in health and fitness and exercise physiology, and then had this infection come about, which felt like it hit me overnight. I could feel the signs and symptoms in retrospect that kind of led up to it. These aches and pains that didn't quite make sense with the activities and things that I were doing. But then after an acute bout of stress, which for me came in the form of working a very uh, stressful summer job, I owned a summer camp. It was a water sports and surfing camp. So it was like 200 campers and professional camp staff and ton of responsibility, a lot of fun, but a lot of stress as well. So after that, on the heels of that, my second or third year running the camp, I traveled to West Africa where I got parasites and was on a very long flight. And all of these things seemed to combine to create this, what we commonly hear as a perfect storm scenario that landed me in bed for initially a couple of weeks. And then ultimately what wound up being about three years as I tried to 
see different doctors and untangle <laughs> this mess that had been created. Yeah. So you were bed bound. Is that correct for the majority of those three years? Correct. Yeah. I had lost at least 40 pounds of muscle mass. I had become extremely sensitive to light and sound most foods with some exceptions like sweet potatoes. I had migrating aches and pains. I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. When I say diagnosed, I, I almost want to put air quotes around it because so many of these types of diagnoses are really just descriptive terms. Chronic fatigue yeah. syndrome just means tired all the time. Fibromyalgia means muscle pain. And so a friend of mine once said, I went to my doctor with a pain in my knee and I got diagnosed with knee pain. Yeah. It's, it's like that. But I wound up with some 14 or so diagnoses of all these different things that didn't really mean too much. But one of those was Lyme disease. And Lyme disease is commonly referred to as this umbrella because it includes all of these other syndromes and symptoms like we just mentioned. Yeah, for sure. And I want to hop on as well the fact that you knew that you had uh, picked up parasites along mm. the way. And then I also, of course, want to make sure that we talk about neuroplasticity and brain training and things like that. But in my program, one of the I would say the backbone of what we do is we address parasites because they have Borrelia, Bartonella, all those different things actually inside of them. Mm -hmm. And most of my students who have chronic illnesses have parasites as well. So I'm curious yeah. if you addressed that in your healing process along the way or if it resolved itself. I did. So I started getting stomach pains during that trip, actually, in West Africa and Senegal. And upon my return, when I was going through my battery of all different sorts of tests, I did parasite tests and found Giardia and a few others. I don't remember what they were at the time. But yes, I did treat, I was treated for parasites using some different supplements. Again, I can't remember exactly what those were. It's been a long time, at least 10 years yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. And I find it so interesting too, because like you were talking about with, there's such a wide variety of symptoms, of course, that people end up experiencing. And some people do have that autonomic nervous system just goes completely haywire. And I, I actually remember that for me, my own journey at the beginning of having long COVID for the first several years with the MECFS, first of all, just nervous system, just any little thing would just set me off. It felt like I was in fight or flight pretty much 90% of the time. <laughs> you wake up and you're in fight, and fight or flight. And so I know how important it is for us to address that. How did you come to work out that that needed to be addressed for yourself? And how did you go about addressing that for yourself? process of elimination, perhaps process of trying everything else. The same way that everyone responds differently to these types of infections, it's equally as true that people seem to respond equally differently to treatments. And so I'll just put the caveat there that for some people, some of the treatments I'll mention might have worked or, or work or might very well have promised because I certainly saw and knew a lot of people that got better from things like antibiotics and conventional treatments. But for whatever reason, it didn't really work for me. And so I was on antibiotics, all different kinds, including intravenous for years at a time and cycling around to different things. And of course, it creates the gut dysbiosis and 
the candida overgrowth, and then you have to take some stuff to counteract that. And all the while, it just it just felt like um, my system was being overloaded. So from there, I transitioned to more of the biological medicine approach, which is basically the philosophy that the body is a self-healing system and that it will heal itself and it will return to homeostasis if we can just create the right conditions. So it's much less focused on treating the disease and more focused on treating the person. Philosophically, that kind of, that spoke to me. It seemed to make sense to me. And I found some benefits from nutritional medicine, from detoxification, from some use of pretty light supplements, but things like vitamin C and fish oil and just, and some minerals that I guess my body had been depleted of. But I found that I was able to make some headway with this sort of bottom-up approach, taking care of the body. Not a huge surprise from where I was coming from. However, I also found that whenever I became stressed out or encountered a cold or travel or even psychological stress, worries about things, excess rumination or anything, all of those symptoms would come back. And it, so it, it felt like I had a sort of a rubber band around my waist and I was trying to move forward and I kept getting snapped back into place every time I, I tried to go beyond where I was. And at that, this point, I would say I was back to 40 or 50% health from 10%. But of course, I wanted to get to 100. And so the question started to arise of what is that rubber band snapping me back? What keeps pulling me back there? And as it turns out, the more I, I delved into it, it, it seemed to be the case that the brain, for better or for worse, learns and can sometimes learn to overprotect us if we've been sick for a long period of time, if we've also encountered a lot of stress leading up to or during that time. The brain's first order of business really is ensuring our survival, but the second order of business is efficiency. It wants to learn from the past to protect us in the future. So it takes the or creates these shortcuts in the brain that are woven together as neural pathways. And whenever we try and this is why it's so hard to change a, a habit, a behavioral habit, because the brain literally gets stuck in these grooves. And so in order to do something like change, whether it's change a behavioral habit or change a physiologic habit, the immune system's propensity to jump up and, and activate, it actually seems to require changes to the brain, both structural and chemical changes that take place in the brain. So some of this research that I had learned from, from working with these stroke victims years prior started to come back and started to make a lot of sense. And as I started practicing some different neurological exercises, I started to feel like that waist belt, like that rubber band was starting to loosen. And it certainly wasn't a linear process, but I found that I was able to, over time, change the way my body seemed to respond to stress. If I was going on a trip or have a having a stressful experience, I started to learn how to reprocess the, the physical sensations of that experience as non-threatening. It, it, it boils down to the continuous reminder, continuously reminding ourselves that it's okay, that <laughs> however we're, we're feeling undesired and unpleasant as it certainly may be, it is not necessarily life-threatening because that's what it feels like when, like you mentioned, with that hyperarousal of the nervous system or that autonomic dysfunction, you wake up in the morning and it's like nothing's even happened yet, but oh, fight or flight. The fight or flight mechanism exists for a reason. Again, it's that first order of business of the brain to, to protect us. 
But more often than not, and especially if the brain has learned through the school of hard knocks to stay elevated, then that threat response can become activated not only by the littlest thing, but just by itself, it can just stay active. <laughs> and when that happens, things can really feel dire. And so learning how to interpret or reinterpret those symptoms, like racing heart, cortisol in the system, that feeling of rush or agitation, learning to reprocess and reinterpret that information that's coming in through the bodily senses as non-threatening seems to be able to actually, over time, train the brain to keep the nervous system calm and therefore keep the inflammatory processes at bay, even when we're experiencing things that we don't necessarily like. Yes, I love it. And I know that one of the turning points for me was exactly what you were talking about here in my MECFS journey. It was, and it took me a lot longer than it took you <laughs> to get to this place. I think it was about six or seven years in where I went, okay, the messages I'm giving myself on a cellular level are causing havoc in my body. I'm telling, whenever I feel these symptoms, I'm telling myself that something horribly wrong is happening, that I'm dying from the inside out, all these things that we tell ourselves and understand, understandably, like you said, but I realized that I had to shift that. And once I was able to do that, things did started to shift. Yeah. There were still some things that needed to be cleaned up, but yeah, so yeah. I'm so with you. So how do you work with other people to shift those thought patterns to embrace this neuroplasticity that is so powerful? Yeah. So first of all, if anyone's experiencing this, um, the number one thing to know is that it's okay. It's not you. You're not doing anything wrong. It's very much your limbic brain, this survival part of the brain doing what it thinks is the best job in trying to protect you. And secondly, it's challenging. It's not so easy to recognize that this is happening. And there's many, there's a few different layers to it, right? There is the conscious part, the narratives and the stories and things that come up that we can put our finger on as, oh, these are the worries or the things that I'm concerned about. But there's the deeper, more visceral feeling of just tensing up reflexively, tensing up in resistance against something that feels uncomfortable uh, because that's biologically, again, what we're hardwired to do. So what we have to do is actually train that primitive part of the brain, the limbic system, to learn how to remain at ease and relaxed, even amid the discomfort. And the way I help people with that is that I've devised a program that walks people through step-by-step. Step. It's very research-based. We have a team of clinical psychologists and neuroscientists and pain psychologists. And when people hear the uh, term like pain psychologist, they think that it goes to the mind and everything. And while the mind plays a role, I just want to make a distinction for anyone listening that we, when it comes to these complex conditions, chronic fatigue, Lyme disease, chronic pain, the mind plays some role, but we say it's not psychological, it's neurological. These are neurological hardwirings, these bodily behaviors. And so the good news is that the same way the brain learns to overprotect us, it can also relearn a different message, which can have these profound cascading effects throughout the body, namely putting us back into a more parasympathetic state, a uh, state that's more optimized for long-term healing and recovery. 
And so it just takes a bit of understanding. And we've devised this sort of process and this protocol in the form of a program that we call the Reorigin program that walks people through a 28-day program where they learn how to practice and implement these exercises. Because it isn't just enough to know what it is. It's something that we have to actually practice repeatedly. A lot of people are fascinated these days by what's possible with how we can change our own nervous system in real time, like breath work and a lot of these different vagus nerve exercises that we see like tapping. If you take two or three or four or five deep breaths, you will probably feel very different. Um, but I think what we would all agree is even more profound and even more interesting is if we could retrain the system to the point where we no longer have to always default to a technique but instead we actually regain our innate ability to self-manage and, and self-modulate. And so that's really what's at the crux of the, of the reorigin program is it gives you the understanding, it gives you the, the tools, but most importantly, it gives you the process for implementing them into your life in a way that will lead to you no longer needing to do the program anymore in the future. Yes, I love it because it is a new habit. It's totally rewiring the brain, all those wonderful things. Now, I, I know that you need to go. I've, we could probably talk for another hour at least about all of this because I have other questions that I would love to ask you, but maybe we'll schedule something else. But I just want to thank you so much for joining us today, Ben, and for everything that you do for the community and for sharing your story and your incredible knowledge and for helping people. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. And last note, if I could just leave one message, it would be one of genuine hope that, you know, for anyone who may be feeling stuck, I know what it's like. I've, I've been there and you have as well. But one of the things that becomes apparent is that actually everything in the body is changing. Often it can be changing into the same thing over and over again. But because things are changing, there's an opportunity for us to get inside of this gap, what Viktor Frankl calls between stimulus and response, and start to really train in a new response. And when we do that, we can start a different trajectory, one toward healing and one toward health. I've seen it now in tens of thousands of people and continues to be inspiring and hopeful. So yeah, for anyone out there who, who may be listening and feeling stuck, I think there's plenty of reason and cause to be hopeful. Amazing. So I'm going to make sure that we have a link to your program, Ben, of course. And I want to thank you, everybody who is watching and listening in. And just to let you know that we also have a lot of great interviews and episodes coming up on the way. So just make sure to subscribe to Holistic Healing with Lori podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Holistic Healing with Lori podcast. And I do hope that you found our conversation enlightening and helpful. That is always my goal. If you did, I have a small favor to ask. Please do consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. That would really, really help us not only to improve, but also to help others to discover the podcast. And especially if you know someone who is navigating their way through MECFS, through long COVID, fibromyalgia, or any chronic illness, please also share this podcast with them. You know, my mission is to reach as many people as possible to instill this feeling of hope and help and to share the insights and strategies 
that I know really work to help them on their healing journey. And just remember that you're not alone in this. We're in this all together, learning and growing and healing. And I'll see you next time.